You're listening to Grant's Rants. Subscribe and spread the word. There are a lot more rants to come. Listen anytime on all major podcasting platforms. And now, back to the show. And we're back on the podcast. I'm joined by Grant Pastor. And on Friday, Grant and I went to 54 Below and saw Lorna Luft. A.K.A. Liza Minnelli's sister, Judy Garland's daughter. Probably the number one thing she does not want to hear after her name. True, true. Comba, <laughs> comba. Yeah, not exactly what she wants. But we really missed it because in part one, we were talking about Jen Shaw, who was at Larry Flint's strip club. Not far from where we were, actually. Oh, okay. So we, I, I like to think we made the better choice. I think the crowds probably did not cross. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone saw one another from that. Uh, but, in, I mean, you know, we missed... The criminal. We we didn't. Maybe we made the wrong choice. Maybe we should have went to the strip club to see Jen in action. But I think we had a more cultural evening. I think so too. I think it was a good way for us to get back out in the city now that shows are opening up. Um, she did a great job. I was. I told you I was surprised that she actually did talk about Judy and did sing a couple of Judy songs. Yeah. And I'm a huge Judy fan. And also mentioned Liza and Liza's ex, Peter Allen, gay husband, which I was shocked. I mean, I've never heard her actually talk about those things. I've gone to two of her shows before, and Judy does not come up once. Her mom doesn't come up. Liza doesn't come up. So maybe the pandemic changed her a little bit, and she's more willing to go into that. So I was happy for that. Yeah, I was surprised at how many times she... she I don't think she ever used the word Judy, but she used the word my her mother. mother yeah. And I was surprised by that myself. And yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. I knew more of the songs than I thought I would know. And uh, it was just like a really nice like evening. And it's an excuse just, to dress up, go out on the town. Yeah, have a couple drinks. It's, it's such like an upmarket kind of thing. You know, it's like stuff like that. I just, I obviously people perform in LA all the time and there's the Hollywood Bowl, but there's just something about going to see a show in New York that you just cannot compare and it was just a really nice like night out and I enjoyed it so much. I we also met some nice guys that were from Chicago and the number one thing that I took away that I could not believe I was repeating it to my boyfriend is that they didn't know what Studio 54 was. They've never heard of Studio Crazy. 54. I was telling them, you know, it's so cool that we're below Studio 54 and they said, "What?" So that was a little weird, but you obviously do know and we did get to uh peek our heads in after the show and look at the original hallway and that was pretty cool too. Yeah, it's such an appreciation for that. I'm so glad that there's like a memorial, something left of what was there and that, you know, they didn't go in like everything else and just whitewash it and bulldoze it down right. and like there's a plaque somewhere behind a bathroom stall or something like that. You know what I mean? It's like, no, you it's can actually there. You can actually see a the show. Door. Yeah, it was yeah. really cool. So that, that I really appreciated. Uh, I don't know how to transition from that uh, to the number one show on daytime TV, but also the worst produced show on television, The View. I have talked about this since episode one of Grant's Rants. It is a constant, and I just can't, I still can't get over this show is made. And I still can't get over, honestly, that it is, it's it's a part of ABC News. Finally, once again, this is not the first time, but finally this show is out of being a toxic work environment. This is one of the most toxic low-class, horrible, poorly produced, cheap shows I've ever seen. I still can't get over the fact that they outed the the, the status, the COVID status of, of two of the co-hosts, Sonny and Anna, and it's just such a mess. Now Variety is writing about this, and it, it seems to me, Megan McCain gave this whole interview, it seems to me like none of this is coming as a, as a surprise to anyone. No. Like we all know the view sucks behind the scenes. Like this it's been around since the 90s. 
I've said it for like now decades, it seems. And it all stems from Barbara Walters and this culture. That's why I don't like her. But the culture has been maintained, I believe, through Joy and through Whoopi and through the ABC itself. Yeah, I, I remember actually when the COVID thing happened, I was texting you. I couldn't believe it. And I, you know, oh occasionally gosh. throughout the day, I'll look at YouTube and I'll see that the videos get uploaded in those stupid little one minute, 30 second clips. Yeah. But um, I noticed, I saw it right when it came out and it was like the host had to leave because of blah, blah, blah. I texted you. By the time you watched the videos, they'd scrapped that video and put up a new one to try to cover their tracks, but it was too late. We all saw it. We know what happened. Yeah. And I don't really, and nothing Megan said surprised me, but I also do think Megan came off as a spoiled brat just as much as she did the whole time she was on the show. Well, yeah. I mean, she did tons of interviews. There's the Variety article. She did the interview over at Hannity, which I watched, which now I'm going to be probably because of the algorithm getting oh, Fox God. News videos every other day now. Um, but I wanted to see, and let me tell you, oh, she did watch Robin's Live as well, but Hannity, I mean, they painted her in the best light. They found the worst clips they could find of Whoopi and Joy to play to really make it seem like she was being viciously attacked daily over there. I mean, the, the edit was like, I mean, right. Megan must have been in, in heaven with the way that it was portrayed. I but mean, Megan uh... had... She took no accountability no. for her own toxic actions. You know how many videos there are on YouTube, and I've watched them all, where it's Megan McCain's worst moments. It's so one many. thing after another. Um, but the thing with her worst moments is it always comes out of nowhere. So the fact that she's complaining that they actually had a rebuttal when she would literally just change the topic and say, you know, Whoopi would say, what do you think about teachers going back to school? And then Megan would turn it into a whole other topic. Well, I don't want to talk about this, but I want to talk about that. No one else does that on the show. That's just not how the show works, especially during the pandemic when they were so scripted. So here's your point you have to make. Move on to the next person. And Megan was trying to break that and it didn't work. And I, I don't blame Joy or somebody else to come back with something. Well, we did see it on the show. Megan refused to talk about certain things right. that were personal. And like that's just kind of the... Thing. they all choose a topic they have the morning meeting like that's just part of the gig now she doesn't have to get into details of her sex life but you know i mean you have to do that's, that's the job and at the end of the day it's a live show they're not there all day they're not banking episodes like just do your job you're getting paid a lot of money to give your point of view on something I do have to say, in her defense, um, I actually have been listening once in a while, actually whenever I'm at the gym, um, to the View podcast where they're doing some of the interviews with the old hosts. And I did listen to the one with Raven Simone and uh, Full House. Uh, uh, what's her name? Oh, Candace, Candace Cameron. Yes, 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 yes. And I have to say, they had a really, I'm surprised this didn't get more press. The interview they did with Sarah was pretty damning. They said that it, they felt Ooh. physically sick. I must listen to they this. They have PTSD. And I was surprised that that really didn't get picked up. So it didn't surprise me that a week later, uh, Megan McCain saying all the same thing. So what I don't know. What the hell is wrong with this show? You know how many people get paid big money to produce the show? And there's ABC executives. And then you've got the ABC News element. And you've got all these women. And even, they were even on a podcast produced by ABC talking about how ben toxic it is. <laughs> like, you, that's how you know it's bad. Like this show is rotten from the inside out, and this is why I have such an oh, I have such an anger towards the View because and yet, I was never I watch fooled. it every day. That's the thing. It's like I watch I'll watch every video that's on their YouTube channel. 
I was never <laughs> fooled by the, the the reality of this show. It's the, and that's why people are like, why do you care so much? It's like because they pull the wool over people's eyes. This is not some simple daytime talk show with women. Like you can tell, there's a tremendous disconnect. No one wants to do anything. They show up for it. Like you know, the, Joy is in the car by twelve oh one. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, nobody wants to be bothered. But like, the, I I couldn't get over this this Variety article. So Ramin Satuta, who wrote the book Ladies Who Punch, he admitted <laughs> that he was friends with Megan, and he gave her. Also, a very, very slanted interview. And I, I liked Ladies Who Punch, but, you know, he really gave her the opportunity to say all the crap she wanted to say. He didn't push her on anything. And I, I just, I didn't really respect it too much. And the, the interview is interesting. If you wanted to check it out, I'll tell you the, t- I can just read the title of it. And all they have to do is just give it a search. Megan McCain tells all the views, toxic work environment, why she really left in her feud with Joy Behar. Um, I don't know. Did you read this article and what did you get out of it? Anything good? I read the article. I've been keeping up on all this news. I watched her and watch what happens. None of it's news to me. I think it's kind of, she's crying wolf, um, looking back on her time on the view and trying to get herself back out there. As much as she would have said when she was on the show, I'm always a Twitter, you know, trending on Twitter, this and that. Imagine how that must feel. She's missing the fact that she was trending on Twitter, and that's why she's coming out with this. And I have to say, I'm surprised she's doing it so soon. She's only been gone, what, two months? Yeah, barely. And yeah, the idea of her trending, I I don't know what, I guess if it was sort of an embarrassing situation, but like she was trending daily. Like, you're not going to get that writing for the political website uh, writing for the political what is it like on uh, the page on pa- daily mail mm-hmm. like i mean it's just she she will chase this i think for the rest of her life i mean where else is she gonna go it's just this media tour what happens next like okay people are either gonna feel bad for her or not the the liberal media will like hate her to death the conservative media will put her on a pedestal of like she survived Whoopi goldberg she survived the liberal media so like uh, where do you go from here uh, you sent me actually an article over at TMZ and said, Megan McCain, ABC executives privately calling um, BS on her toxic view story. And here's a quote from the article. You sent me this, right? Yeah. yeah. It says, according to TMZ, our sources tell us Megan was essentially forced out of her role after an internal investigation into the environment she describes, which we're told was in fact real, but mostly due to Megan's behavior off and on, on and off camera, not her co-workers other way around. And then later in the article, they say other producers on the inside have backed up Megan. So who knows where we stand, but we watch the show. Mm hmm. We saw it happen in real time. We saw when she announced she was leaving. I The way that she framed her departure was, I don't know. I, now you look back and you're like, well, if this is really what you were feeling, then why did you fake it like you did if you're supposed to be this, you know, real deal kind of girl? Um, I don't know. I think that I believe both sides. There's a piece of truth from both sides. I'm sure it's toxic on all levels. I know it is from the interview with Candace and Raven. Mm, I have to hear that. Yeah, I think maybe if you look at it with that lens, it's mm. kind of just like, well, yeah, I mean, what? Was she mad that Candace and Raven beat her to it and now she wants to have her moment in the sun? I don't know. I love that that's the only thing anyone can say, other than Meredith Vieira, who really found success after The View. Everyone who leaves The View says the same thing. It was terrible. Barbara Walters was awful. You know, we were pitted against each other. We couldn't tell what the topics we wanted to talk about. It was too politically charged. Like, 
it's just it's such a mess. I don't understand why the show, and that's why I get so upset because it was called like politically influential by the New York Times. Most like, politically influential. It wins the daytime Emmys every once in a while. There's nothing Emmy worthy about the show. I think it's actually for a show that's supposed to be about women. It's it's really the opposite. Well, I was talking to you about this. I don't know when it was, but remember I was saying, you know, I, I get that. Yes, it is popular. Who's that popular with? I know for myself in the gay community, it's popular among the gay community, mm-hmm. but it's really aimed at these housewives who are at home during the day. And the topics they cover at this point are just so, uh, they're so left that I don't so know. Left. It's just, yeah. to me, I appreciate it, but who's watching? <laughs> I know. So I know number one daytime talk show. That makes me, that like kills me. But it just goes to show that's no account for taste. And that executive producer, that Brian Tetta, I think he's just truly like one of the weakest people. I can't stand him. Now, sources claim that he's completely paranoid behind the scenes. This is a this is from an article on page six. It says, here's a source. Uh, quote, Brian, the executive producer, has lost his mind. Who does he th- what what does he think he is? A cult where everyone has to listen to what he has to say? We literally report into the news division. We're being told not to talk to someone on the outside who has different political views who used to work with us. They're referring to Megan. Apparently, there's a rule on set that no one related to the production can talk to Megan. Now, that Fran Taylor, who I can't stand, who's their, their stylist over there, they kissed her ass for years. They all looked like crap in my point of view. But anyway, she is addressing Megan. So they are talking to her, and she's friends with Sonny. So how this executive producer is going to come in now with some irrelevant rule that's completely based in nothing when he should have been producing the show to begin with is, I mean, he has no credibility in my eyes. Of course, ABC denies all this, that, oh, everyone could talk to Megan. There's no rule. We're very excited about the next season. Just like... You know, the usual network line. I don't believe ABC News, and specifically ABC PR, because they lied for years about the state of the soap operas, and then they canceled them over Zoom one day. So, I mean, I don't. they have no credibility with me either. But this view, nothing fires me up more than The View and Barbara Walters. Can I just say something that'll sum all this up? This week, what was it? They launched the big decorate my st- hashtag decorate my stool campaign. Oh, the footstool. Yes. Oh, yes. Whoopi stool. So if we're really going to start some someone's brilliant idea was to have hashtag decorate my stool. Flip my footstool. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, flip my stool. Uh, yeah. It's just. Where do we go from here? That, that's... I'll keep watching, but. Hashtag ABC News. Are they going to win the Emmy for that episode? Or maybe they'll submit the Emmy they had Kamala Harris on. Maybe they'll submit that for an Emmy. Which you know my feelings about that. I won't get into it. I, yeah. I believe the conspiracies and that whole thing was another mess. They, I will say, even without Megan there, they've had one mess after another for the past few weeks. The yeah. view's still staying relevant it's in all the wrong ways. It really is. Because like when you think of how much people are paid and how many people are there to run this show, this is this is a daytime network show and it's just yeah it's they've dropped the ball on every level so anyway let's talk about another daytime talk show that could use a little bit of help wendy williams what what's going on so this is another one that i do watch all the clips um i saw that michelle visage and leah remini were uh, guest hosting this week i will say start out rough i don't know if you watched it i did watch it a little bit i watched the beginning of the week excuse me tuesday and the end of the week end of the week definitely a lot better a lot loose they found their vibe first day 
it was called Hot Topics, and I don't think they discussed even one hot topic. It was just, you know, two friends catching up and saying how much they love each other and making us believe it. But Yeah, that's true. But I will give them credit. I thought by the end it was good, but it's not Wendy. So if you're going to call it the Wendy Show, you can have any guest host you want, but it's not Wendy. So yeah. what are they going to do? I don't know. Rebrand it? What, what's going on here? Because I, I actually, of course, want Wendy well, but I don't know if this is the right spot for her anymore. She doesn't seem to be in a good, healthy place. Just from the photos they've seen, the fact that she was supposed to come back at the end of September, and now they're talking about that she'll be away way into November. And it's just like... We saw the documentary last year. Yeah, which I think was... I mean, she was the EP on that documentary, so I think it was very whitewashed in many different ways. And like there was just a lot of stuff that was left out. I still have questions about that whole time period that she was away and the sober house and... It, it was just highlights to me in that movie. So I feel like there's a lot more there. Page six says now the show is offering $75 cash to non-union vaccinated people to sit in the audience for next week when guest host Whitney Cummings is performing. Yikes. That has to be embarrassing for everyone, including Whitney. Okay, but I will say when I was in college, me and a friend went to the taping of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and received, I think it was $50 back then. Um, to sit in the audience for that. So I don't think it's so uncommon, although I think Wendy's always drawn in a crowd on her own. They didn't yeah. need to resort to this. I've never been paid to sit in a studio audience, but it's also something I don't enjoy. Oh, no. Clap now, laugh yeah. now. I used to do all the seating and the arrangements for The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, and we never had to pay anyone for that, thank God. Even on rain rain days, we were still full, but like... I can't imagine like that being even in the budget to like fill people in. Like it's embarrassing, especially when you're filling half the audience because everyone's every other chair. You know what I mean? You have staff yeah. there that could fill in. I mean, they must really have trouble filling in. Now, Wendy doesn't take far from where we're recording this podcast now. I just run so hot and cold on her. I don't know if I want to like take a day out of work and give like three or four hours to see. Her. I mean, she's not even there now, but I don't know. I mean, I guess given the opportunity, I would go. I would not. No. <laughs> My experience at Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was horrible. Air conditioning was so cold. We were working for that 50 bucks, and yeah. it was a long day. I think it, it filmed in, I think, Connecticut somewhere. Um, it was a long day. I don't I don't remember the full story. I saw that this, this article said uh, the $75 would be same day in cash. I think it said within three hours or something like that. Mm. So that's definitely going to draw on these people. I know when I went, it was people, it was a lot of retired people who do this literally for their job. They sign up for these shows, they get bussed out to be at the studio, they have their free lunch, and then they get their 50 bucks. That was the vibe Damn. that we got when we did it. It was the worst day. We were so hungry. We were so miserable. I never even actually, now that I think of it, watched the episode, so I have no clue if I even was shown. I know that they made my friend come down and do like an Irish dance because of the awkwardness in between breaks. You know, they need to lighten it up. I would never do it again. I think the reason you go to the Wendy show is to see Wendy. If Wendy's not there, right. they're going to have trouble finding people to go. I thought it was interesting because I, I watched the show on YouTube as well, and they even had a call to action on YouTube to be an audience member. And I was like, that's usually like a bumper that would be on the show. You know, it's like odd that like that they're like calling that out, and they must really be desperate. And I didn't put two and two together until I saw this article and read through it. But, you know, Wendy is supposedly supposedly still out with complications. Let her, let her. disease. She I doesn't want know. this. She does not want this. I, it's rumored she's done. It's rumored she's, like, completely over it. I mean, that's nice. We all have to go to work when you're under contract. I don't know what to tell her. But now, she apparently bought a new apartment. Hmm. 
she was renting before allegedly so that's another sign of like her getting settled it could be nothing but also it's like you know she knows what she can afford and she bought it and maybe she's trying to make plans for the next phase of her life but i don't know i mean she apparently there's a, a rumor out there that she's really unhappy that there are guest co-hosts or guests guest hosts in her position that she never wanted in this work because someone would swoop in and take the job from her but like you said her her name is on the wall like she's under contract but I don't know. Is they make it, a point is, to mention her every episode. Yeah. I'm I'm wondering if it's more mental health than physical health at this point. I'm speculating. If she wants to work, and I'm saying if she wants to work, give her a radio show. I don't think she can be doing this studio work. Let her just record from home. She yeah. did it during quarantine. Horrible. But she did Horrible. the self-taping oh at God. home. Yeah, that was a terrible Terrible episodes. decor. Um, yeah. so let's not even look at it let's let her do it from bed we saw in the documentary she likes to do everything from bed relaxing on the chaise lounge let her do that record a serious xm radio show and yeah call it Give a day her a good deal over there she still is so viable and so like she's one of the very few TV hosts that will give it to you straight and doesn't really care about cancel culture and doesn't care about really hurting people's feelings like if you think of like Ellen's a bad example, but like the Tonight Show, like Jimmy's a fan of everybody. Mm-hmm. And even Kelly and Ryan, I can't stand Ryan, but like, you know, they're friends with them all. They're right. so friendly. And like, you know, Wendy, she's the only one left with an edge. And I think there's something to be said for that. And I do wish that she would come back, but I don't know. I wish I- she'd come back if she wants to, but I wish that no matter what happens, we leave off on a good note here. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not sure from the looks of it, that's going to be happening. Now, as always, I'm not here to break news on the podcast. We also have the headlines about Alec Baldwin uh, with this terrible. rust shooting, terrible thing. Um, I really hoped it wasn't true. I saw it on Twitter, and I just saw like a friend's tweet talking about it. I was like, oh, that that's not true. And then I saw all the articles, and it was like, wow, it's worse than I thought. Um, you know, he, a prop gun fired. that he Alec Baldwin fired himself. It killed a cinematographer, injured a director. And, you know, basically the blame now is on the lack of precautions. Apparently it was a non-union film. There are lots of rumors and text messages leaking from the set that, like, this was, you know... A known problem. Yeah, this was not a firearm that was, like, you know, checked or vetted correctly. You know, I... Alec actually tweeted in 2017, which is, like, really cryptic. Did you see this? No. He said in 2017, quote, I wonder how it must feel to wrongfully kill someone. Hmm. And so now he's in this position, which has to be terrible. Has to be, could you think of a worse thing as an actor? No. And initially I saw the blowback that he was getting, the backlash. People were saying, you know, he should be held accountable. And initially I was thinking, well, how could you hold somebody accountable for doing their job? He he was just doing what, what it said in the script. Yeah. Um, but then you have to take a step back and think, well, just because you're an actor, does that really hold you to a different standard than anyone else? I, I'm a theater person, so I was thinking, you know, Broadway, I go to shows. I know a couple years ago I went to the Revival of Oklahoma. It's a small theater. There was guns going off throughout the production. I kept thinking, God forbid, something actually, you know, yeah, somebody switches the gun. I hate guns. And now it just makes you kind of look at all of that and... You're just kind of like, do we even need that? I saw, what was it that announced that they were going to be, it's some TV show or something now said that f- from now on they'd be doing all that in CGI after yeah, production. Yeah, CBS, like uh, one of those procedurals, I think. And yeah, at that point, why not? 
Why? I mean, there should be no excuse. We don't need the sound effect of the gun. No. We're not. We're in 2021 here. We yeah, don't need the firing of a gun. Is an easy thing for CGI. They've done. They've blown up buildings with CGI. They right. can fire a gun with through CGI use. Yeah. No. It all just comes down to who's accountable. Then at the end of the day. Well, you know that they're they're questioning all this. They're wondering if it's like according to page six, like. Could this be like a neglect manslaughter charge, like very equivalent to someone who's drunk driving and killing someone? I, I don't know. He did serve as the executive producer of the film. So it so, does put him in a higher position of authority and responsibility. But to, in my opinion, it comes down to the property master mm-hmm. who's there securing these firearms with a team of people who I'm sure are there specifically for gun use. You know, is well, the article also said the it's the actor's responsibility to make sure it's not loaded. But actually, yes, if they're responsible. But if, of course, this prop master was non-union apparently, but that's no excuse. If you're good at your job, you don't have to worry about those things, and it really shouldn't be up to the responsibility of Alec to open up the gun and double check because that's somebody else's job. Mm-hmm. That's you know, that's, that's he's there to do what's business. on the page. You know, so. I don't know. I'm not excusing him, but I also feel like, I mean, the guy has to be going through a personal hell. Well, you saw those photos after he called. Was it after the phone call with the police? I think the investigation had started and those photos came out of him where it is in New Mexico or something, New right? New Mexico, yeah. And it's like him hunched over. You can tell he's just distraught. Of course. I mean, you have to also put yourself in the shoes of everyone else that was in the room who witnessed this. I mean, it's yeah. horrifying. I would have PTSD if this is what you do for work, I just don't know how you feel comfortable again if there are weapons involved. Oh my god! Uh, it just like that this is some somewhere on tape. I would imagine. Oh yeah. So like, how do you make sure that doesn't leak? It's it's horrible. You know, well, I mean, that's a, that's another thing. Like the the shame and all of that, and then the, the catastrophe and the tragedy. But like, is this gonna come back? to haunt them is this going to leak somewhere is it going to go up on youtube is it going to live on the dark web like oh and this isn't the first time that this has happened and i think you know what was the last time it happened was 30 years ago or something in the 90s but um it's not the first time this has happened we should have had this solved by now this should have never happened i feel horrible for the the cinematographer and for the direct i think it was the director who also is injured injured. so I don't know. And everyone else who witnessed it, everyone involved, it just, it should have never happened. Yeah. I mean, again, it wasn't an intentional thing. I mean, nobody set out to do this. So I'm really hoping that, uh, you know, it's just, it it gets settled or, or handled in the most humane way possible. I don't know. This story was just such a tragedy. So terrible. And yeah, I just didn't even know if I was going to cover it, but I mean, it's true Hollywood talk right now, and I can't imagine a worse position to be in as an actor. I hate guns. Hate guns. Yep. And a friend of mine, actually, a talented friend of mine who works on a lot of films, was going to work on this show, into this movie, interviewed for it, and didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And um, kind of a blessing. Blessing in disguise. Yeah, because that, imagine having that being attached to that. Like I said, even if you're not one of the victims, everyone in that room was a victim because they're going to remember this for the rest of their life. Yeah, they're watching it. Oh, my God. Well, I don't know how to transition, but like queer history. I mean, (laughs) I I want to promote your your, uh, Instagram and... There are no guns, I imagine. So it's a lighter fare. It's just like I follow it. I get a kick out of it. Um, 
what, what can people expect on Boys Morning After Club Instagram? So Boys Morning After Club is kind of the culture club of my type of people, uh, either the gay or the queer community and those that appreciate it. And I will say that it's probably half and half of people who are in the community or people who appreciate it. And it's just a place where, you know, all of my random knowledge that I've collected throughout the years of being weirdly uh, interested in like M- the MGM years of Hollywood and all of that and the glitz and the glamour and Judy and all of that come in one place and it's kind of an outlet for me to be able to follow the accounts that do those kinds of things that I, I'm a little bit scared to do on my own personal account and then it gives me a chance to like share stories share experiences share behind the scenes stuff that I know that I don't think a lot of people do know so um, you know it's not only pretty to look at but I always try to write up a little message as well when I'm posting something that gives whatever history I'm trying to get across it doesn't it's not a serious thing it's it's a fun thing but yeah it's just a fun place to um it's a good community and I have some like really cool followers that will write in and um yeah so check it I out. appreciate you following it and I hope that other people will check it out if if they're interested in that type of thing boys morning after club but I will say if I ever have like queer history questions or like why is this relevant? Like I always ask Grant, yeah. so you know. I'm weirdly into all of that stuff, so yeah. I probably have a book on it. I probably listen to a podcast about it, and this is my place to put it on one spot. Well, Grant, thanks for doing Grant's Rants. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Grant Michael. Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> it's a little strange. I'm so glad to have you. I hope you guys get a kick out of this episode and more. Uh, please continue to support. I'm going to try to be, like I say, a lot more consistent, but I say that all the time, but my life is truly all over the map. I'm still trying to get settled. It's been an absolute disaster and a mess, but I mean, that's putting it nicely. I mean, I've also been really sick, so I'm trying to, I've been climbing out of that. So I'd say in the last five days, I feel a little bit more human, but we'll see. Hopefully we can keep things going because you know, I love doing the Thanksgiving special, the Grants Rants Holiday, Grants Rants Hollywood Talk Holiday Special, or something like that. I just love the end of the year stuff, and I so hope I can bring all of that to you. I love you guys for listening and continuing to support. As always, I'll be back with more rants. Thank you. This has been Grants Rants. Follow Grants on Twitter and Instagram at It's Grants Rants. Cover art created by Howie Rone. Original theme music by Alexander Arntzen. The Grant Michael Collection.